I can't help it. I love people and I, and I miss seeing real faces and interactions. And it's so funny because, you know, when you're in the moment, it's like, oh, I'm tired. I don't really want to go to this event. And, and looking back, it's really what I miss the most. Because once you're out and about and you're working with people, it, it's really amazing. Welcome everyone to the Cassandra Properties Podcast. We are going to continue our series uh, this week that we are, are working on in conjunction with the SIEDC uh, as a way to highlight uh, Women's History Month. We are bringing in uh, different executives from the community that are powerhouses in their own right and have been a, a big part of the fabric of Staten Island. Uh, we're joined today, as we often are, by our wonderful, lovely guru, Rebecca. Hey, Hi. Rebecca. Hello. And we're joined by Pamela Columbia, who uh, we, we learned as we were starting. We knew that she was an executive in two companies, but we found out that she's an executive in three companies um, from uh, Statewide Fire Corp. And we'll get into the other two companies as we go on throughout the show. Pamela, thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you. And Kimberly Altoff, who is the vice president and district executive at Santander Bank. So with that, uh, I thought it would be neat to share with the audience that we have three native Staten Islanders on one podcast, which we're a, a dying breed. So I love it that we're representing Staten Island and uh, really appreciate you guys joining us today. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, Pamela, if we can, uh, we'll start with you. Sure. So, uh, you are involved in the ownership and or executive structure of three different companies. Um, mm -hmm. That must be quite a, a whirlwind life. Can you talk a little bit about the, the roots of the companies? I know that there's family interest there and, and then we can get into how you came to be where you are today. Sure. I mean, there's so many years behind it, but I could give you a quick summary. Uh, my dad started APB Security in the 70s, which is a burglar alarm company. He uh, quit the police department to start this firm. Started working with him at a very young age, just filing, you know, just the basics, answering phones. Uh, really developed a love for business. But I was going to school to become a teacher. That was really my original passion because, you know, back then in the 80s when I was little, there weren't as as much, there wasn't as much focus on opportunities for women and the different jobs that really existed. Um, so as I was working for him going to school, the opportunity came along to purchase a central station. So basically, that's the company that monitors alarm systems and sends the police department. My brother wanted to head that up. He's always been um, very good at technology. So I invested some money alongside and that was kind of going to be his company. Um, and then I just kept working and both loved it. And the opportunity came along to start a separate New York City fire division, which for commercial buildings within the five boroughs, it's um, it's pretty strict. You need certain licenses and you need your company set up a, a certain way to be able to do so. So I decided to um, leave what I thought would be a teaching career and join the family business and um, you know have ownership myself and statewide. So Statewide Fire is my company. My brother is a partner with me as well. Statewide Monitoring is his company. I'm a partner. And my dad also um, semi-retired. And because my brother and I worked so long in his company, and that was really our roots, um, he brought us in and we're partners in APB as well. So 
there's a lot going on, but, um, but all good things, you know, we're doing well during this pandemic still, which is, we're very fortunate. So um, self-described in one of the bios, we said your favorite title is mom. So uh, how is it that you're juggling, you know, the, the three careers and, and of course, you know, most important being mom, that's gotta be, I, I watched my mother uh, as I grew up, I also grew up in the business, right? I watched mom go out and uh, open up a real estate firm in 1989. Same thing, uh, being, um, you know, a, a really uh, aggressive, uh, progressive, uh, smart, you know, spitfire young lady. Uh, there weren't many opportunities in the traditional sense as you, you know, we think about it today and we think about how foreign that that may seem, but uh, for her, it was it was a real challenge. So uh, for you coming up through the ranks, uh, I, I wonder what type of unique challenges uh, did you face as you kind of fell into these roles? You know, it's so hard. But as soon as you mention um, my children and being a mom, just tears fill up because, you know, we try our best to, to make them happy. They're really the priority. Um, but I've been really fortunate. Listen, I, I'm married to a fireman. Um, we're high school sweethearts and he's just such a great guy. And I, I think, you know, behind every strong woman is a, is a strong man. If you're lucky, um, he really has helped me over the years. You know, my children are six and four. Um, he supports me, you know, he's the one who cooks dinner and having him as my rock, uh, really enables me to feel less guilt because it's not as though I'm always leaving them, um, with people I'm not comfortable with, you know, they get great time with their dad great time with their mom. And, you know, don't forget as a business owner, yes, you're, you're pulled away a lot and, and you don't see your children maybe as much as you want to, but you also are able to do things that you may not be able to do if you work for someone else. Um, you know, I really never miss an event um, when it comes to my children. Obviously now things are a little bit sadder in the, in the event world um, as far as plays and stuff, but anything they're involved in, I, I try to be a part of. Um, they used to come to my office all the time, not as much now because it's a little bit crazier um, and you have to be more careful. But you know what? I, I do the best I can and I'm almost 40 now. Um, I think in my early 20s, I was more intimidated. Um, I wasn't as confident in my choices. But now it's, you know, I'm doing the best I can. And at the end of the day, as long as my children are happy and, and I know I'm working hard, you know, in my business and to be a good mom, then that's really all I can ask for. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, Kimberly, so uh, there's a lot of choices for banking today, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what it means to be a part of the Santander family and what are some of the disruptors? What makes you know, your bank different than some of the other banks that we could choose from? Well, thank you, James. So, you know, Santander is something I'm, I'm really proud of being part of. Been with the company for 18 years um, and loved every single minute of it. And the culture that we bring is about being there for our customers in ways that maybe they didn't think we could help them, um, helping them get on the consumer side, as well as business customers, get to their goals um, and really building long lasting relationships um, and not just selling products, right? We, we wanna really um, be there in the right way. Um, and, you know, my entire career, I've spent it on Staten Island. Um, I take a lot of pride in the business customers and the, the consumer customers that 
that we help each and every single day. And I take a lot of pride in the team that we've built here to support them um, and the passion that each and every one of us bring to our customers every day. So in your title, um, it includes district executive. What exactly does that mean? So I oversee um, the 18 locations that we have on Staten Island. Um, So my district is the Staten Island market. um, And I help support my managers um, and give them the skill that they need to be there for their entire team as well as their customers. So 18 locations seems dizzying to even think about managing 18 locations, you know, where we just opened up uh, a branch in Pennsylvania and we're about to open up a branch in New Jersey. Um, That seems like an overwhelming task to manage 18 different branches. Uh, Is there anything in, uh, in your childhood or in your past? I mean, how did you fall into banking? Like what was the connection for you? So, you know, something that is interesting, I, I never thought I was going to be a banker. Um, I actually went to beauty school um, and was going a totally different path. But one thing that I loved was people. And I loved the conversations that I would have with people and being there for them. And whether I was a hairdresser or a banker, those conversations were very similar um, and just trying to, to help them feel good. Um, and then when I started really spending some time in banking, I realized that the way I could help not only my peers, um, but my customers, like that brought the passion out for me. Um, and then as I developed and grew in my career and be, went down the management route, being able to help my employees grow in their careers and watch them start as a teller and then grow all the way up into management roles and sometimes even back office roles, you know, it, it really is a big driver for me. And when I can see how I change customers and employees' lives, um, that, that makes me smile at the end of the day. So, so I have a quick question. Do you mind, James, if I step in? Um, so you mentioned the beauty school thing, which is funny because I actually started beauty school too and then realized that was not the career for me, but I gave it a go. Um, did you finish and then decide to move on into something else or was it something yeah. like, you? okay, so you actually went all the way through and, and yeah, decided. So I, when I was 18, I started working at Santander. Um, so don't try to do the math on me, but... Um, <laughs> You know, the moment I could work in the bank, I did, and I wanted some benefits while I went to school, finished school, um, and then actually worked in Park Slope as a hairdresser for four years, and then three days a week at the bank. So working seven days a week, um, multitasking, trying to figure out that career path and where I wanted to go um, until I had gotten engaged and, and said that stabilization in the banking world was really where I wanted to to focus and commit to. So for you, it sounds like the the banking career was as much about personal connections as it was the banking industry. And Santander has a track record of of building those relationships. So, uh, you know, we have a a business coach that we we use now, um, Lions Pride, Chad Reyes and Danielle, shout out to them. I've had such a great impact on our company and our personal lives. And they, they taught us. Uh, so let me try and not screw this up. People don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. So um, for me, 
yeah, I've always been kind of a straightforward, head down, work uh, kind of guy my, my whole career. And as social media began to play a big part in real estate, right? Uh, you know, we woke up one day and, and all of a sudden you had to be as much of a marketer as you had to be a deal maker. And I've always been a deal maker. I'm a deal guy. Um, and I, I started using the platform to get the message out and, you know, make predictions in the market. Um, and we've made some really cool predictions that uh, have have rung true. And, and hopefully uh, outside of our immediate client base, people have listened and they've had an opportunity to, to monetize that or capitalize that. But it was frustrating for me because as these, you know, you, you make these predictions and things that I would agonize over, right? I'm now going to go on record and I'm going to talk about the next hot market. I'm going to predict where interest rates are going to go. I'm going to talk about what asset classes we should be divesting from and we should be getting involved in. That's something I take really, really seriously. So we'd be making these posts and things would be falling in line the way we had hoped. And the viewership on like those really profound tidbits of information was like here. And then me playing with my puppy was like here. <laughs> So yep. we went and we got um, a social media coach, uh, J-Man, another just awesome consultant we've worked with. Yes. And he started to explain something that really, it, it didn't connect for me. I've always cared. I care profoundly for my clients, but I've showed it in a different way. And when we started to highlight kind of the softer side of who I was and, and, and what we were in the company, the connections just started to happen more and more down the line. So in the banking world where, I mean, we're trusting our banks, right? With our hard earned money, we're trusting them with relationships. We're trusting them with our finances and mortgages. Uh, I suspect that that is like up there in the core values for Santander. Yeah, you know, that personal connection, it means the world. And I, I expect my team to know about their children, their pets, their their grandparents, everything, right? And, and not only their the financial advice, but to to really have that feel good moment with all their customers, because um, that makes the difference, right? You can go on any corner and find a bank. You know, you drive up Amboy, you probably hit you know fifteen banks in five minutes, right? Um, so what's going to make us stand out? And and it's the people that we have working for you for us and the difference that they really do care and, and they're genuine and that's a big deal. So uh, if we can jump over uh, Pamela in, in one of the, the bios, it describes that you're a certified SIA central station operator and instructor. And it, it speaks to how you personally are still involved in the training of all of the, the personnel, including operators. Can you talk a little bit about that and talk about what customer service and that kind of connection means for your business? Sure. Um, some of the, the lingo change a little bit in our industry, but to be honest, I mean, customer service is really number one um, when it comes to what we do. So basically we have our central station where we monitor, let's say around 50,000 accounts throughout the country. Um, that's statewide monitoring. 50,000. Wow. Um, and that's commercial, residential, we're licensed in all states. And, um, you know, you're dealing with very different people from all over different states. 
And then you have statewide fire, which we have um, about 7,000 in New York City. So it's about 20% of all of the approved accounts um, of New York City, because not many companies are able to provide that service. And you know, you don't want to do anything wrong. And as the owner, I take it very personally. If somebody makes a mistake, if somebody um, doesn't do their job correctly, we're dealing with life safety. You know, so it's not only important to be courteous, but obviously to be efficient and to do things correctly. So something that you know you struggle with when you first uh, go into business, but something I've learned to do very well is to delegate efficiently and accurately. So my team that I have in place, you know, we have all different managers and we have a training manager, we have an operations manager, a scheduling manager, a technology manager. And, you know, when you're able to let go of control, which for me can be very difficult, um, but if you find the right person to let go of control too, I think everything flows naturally. So, you know, having my background in teaching has enabled me to make sure that everyone is being trained correctly. So why, while I may not necessarily train each operator from the start, I oversee the entire process. Um, and honestly, I'm very hands-on. I like to listen to calls, you know, when I'm in the office here, um, what's going on, um, run different reports on stats to make sure we're efficient and that the time is accurate in our dispatches. So I take it really personally. And, and honestly, if, if a client or, or an alarm installer is ever upset, um, I love, you know, getting to the root of the problem and correcting it, not making excuses. I'm, I'm huge on solutions and, and not harping on problems, but learning how to make your company better and, and your people better and you better as a business owner. So that's great. 50,000 accounts. Uh, how big of an operation is statewide statewide fire? How, how big of an operation is that? So statewide monitoring and statewide fire collectively, we have about 60 employees. Um, and the majority of them work for, you know, both firms wherein they dispatch for New York City fire and, and burglar and fire alarms throughout the country. And we have a separate location. My brother actually lives um, in South Carolina. So we have another central station. Um, he just moved there about a year ago. So it's still newer. The majority of our employees are here. Um, but we wanted to just have another area. You know, we have some backup facilities, but to have an additional facility with more staff out of New York State, we thought would be really beneficial. So is it a matter of, um, so APB seems to be pretty clear, right? You, It's security systems um, right. for the, the two fire companies is it was it like a vertical integration where it was another piece in the food chain that you wanted to provide that service or is there a crossover and it was just a geographical uh issue yeah so you know apb self-explanatory like you said and that's really my baby in so many ways even though i'm i'm the baby of it um and and what we did was when we when i invested and my brother was going to head up statewide monitoring um the more I became involved and, and really loved business and, and being an entrepreneur, I just really saw a future. And, and, and same as Kimberly, I was working so many jobs when I started Statewide Fire. So I was still subbing, tutoring, you know, coaching, cheerleading um, at Wagner College, um, anything I could do working in APB um, to get going. You know, you're, you're working seven days a week to really start what you really love because um, you're looking toward your future. Um, but but we saw the need, you know, for New York City fire alarm monitoring. It's such a small area that not many companies um, 
are involved in. So, you know, when I decided to head that up and, and make that, um, you know, my company and, and move forward with it, it was a really great opportunity because there's only about 20 other companies in the nation that's able to do that for New York City. So I, I would assume that there's like an extraordinarily high level of licensing or oversight, right? Because considering these are people's lives, is that accurate? Very accurate. Um, the fire department is very involved. Um, you know, they they have inspections on our company, a lot of paperwork required. Um, all of our operators have to have a certain certification, which again goes back to the training to make sure we're staying on top of that. But, um, you know, it's interesting because my husband's a fireman, so our jobs are so related. You know, he'll respond to jobs that we dispatched on. Um, and it really puts things into perspective because you, you want to keep everyone safe. You know, the firemen, the, the people in the building, the property. Um, so, you know, you take it really to heart at the end of the day um, and you want to make sure everyone's doing a good job. I'm legitimately getting anxiety hearing you describing that <laughs> your husband would be responding to um, fires potentially that you're dispatching from. That that has to be difficult. It's interesting because if I see a major fire, you know, there's two concerns. It's is is it in my husband's area? He's in Brooklyn. Um, is it a, a fire we dispatched on? Did we do everything correctly? But I will say the good news is, you know, the industry now, the fire alarm industry is so amazing. If you compare it to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even five years ago, there's so many new laws um, and improvements they're making so that when we do dispatch on these fires, it's quickly um, firemen aren't responding to, you know, hopefully. If, if it's protected correctly, it's an, if it's an approved system, they're not responding to as enormous of a fire as maybe they would have before these laws existed. So the fire alarm industry in New York um, is pretty solid. They're doing a great job with it. So that, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, so many times we have small business owners on and they talk about how um, New York City, as wonderful as a, of a place as it is to live and, and own a business, uh, some of the major challenges for them are legislative threats and the constant changing of laws. But you feel that over the last several years, uh, the bureaucracy has actually moved forward with an agenda that's provided a safer environment? Sure. I mean, listen, on the HR side, it's certainly difficult to have a business in New York State, New York City. Um, we all know that there's a lot to comply with and to really stay on top of. Um, but as far as the fire department of New York City, I mean, they're the department they have um, is really on top of things and always trying to add more to the law to really protect people and buildings and, and property. So it's I appreciate it um, as a wife of a fireman and, and as a business owner in this industry. That's amazing. I think um, what's really interesting is that, Pamela, both you and Kimberly brought up the fact of working multiple jobs to start. Um, I feel like people always see you at the top and don't necessarily recognize. I know there's, I've seen memes and things about it of, of not seeing what you've done to get to the top. And I think overall, you know, people sometimes just associate that with men, but as women, you know, we have to work equally, if not harder at times to make our way to the top. And I just think that was an interesting thing that you pointed out that you both, you know, had to do the exact same thing to get where you are today. 
Um, also, Pamela, we saw that in 2005, you won the Make Mine a Million business program founded by Open from American Express. I know there's only like a handful of WBEs that have ever cracked the million dollars in annual revenue. So can you tell us what that experience was like for you? Yeah, that was one of my favorite times. Um, I was in my 20s, pretty new in the business. And, you know, it's intimidating. It's a very male-dominated industry. Um, You first come in, a lot of people associated me with my dad or my brother, you know. Um, It was hard in the beginning. So they had, they started this movement, this woman, Nell Merlino, the woman who um, started Take Your Daughter to Work Day. I mean, years ago, I used to go to work with my dad regardless, but um, she started this movement saying, hey, let's help women. There's not many women business owners that really um, not profit a million dollars, but um, build their company to get over a million dollars in gross sales. So that was the first year, 2005, that they had um, a contest in the tri-state area. And there were five winners, um, including myself. And um, I got access to credit lines. Um, they flew us to Washington, D.C. We got to go to the Capitol building. I mean, it was really amazing. And um, for me to kind of just break out of my shell a little bit and meet these really amazing women in New York City that um, had a little bit more experience than I did. And um, I looked at a lot of them as mentors. It was it was really wonderful. It was a good group. That's fantastic. Good for that, you. Thank that you. had to take um, a special personality, you know, uh, as you describe trying to break into a business and, and kind of step out from a shadow and a male dominated business uh, to, to go and seek, I guess, is that how it worked? Did you enter to, to be a part of this thing? Did you go seek this opportunity out? Make mine a million business? Yeah. Um, yeah. So actually the SIDC, there was a woman that worked there at the time, Helen Tavette, and I started in their women's program. Um, and she had called me and she said, you know, there's this opportunity I think you would be great. So I said, all right, why not? I'll apply. And we had to kind of give a whole presentation on our company. It was a, a three-day event. Um, and, you know, I was really happy. Sometimes we see opportunities. We don't always take them. And uh, for me, I mean, it was just a great opportunity. I, I met amazing people. And um, I really stepped it up, at, you know, confidence-wise. Um, I, it took me to a different place I, that I wasn't at previously. Uh, that's really neat. And of course, SIEDC, you know, was in the middle of it as they seem to be with so many connections here on Staten Island. Um, so Kimberly, uh, COVID has had a, a devastating impact for, for many small businesses. Um, I wonder what the balance has been in the bank while interest rates are still historically low. Um, you know, I, we, we kind of chuckle here as interest rates will creep up an eighth or a quarter of a percent and they're still like at 2.75 and people are freaking out like, oh my God, the rates went up to 2.75. <laughs> the first deal I did a long time ago, I think the interest rate was 11 and a half or 11 and a quarter percent. So yeah, and that was the norm, right? That was just, that was a good rate at the time. Um, have you seen a, a has, has interest rates kind of carried the day and are you still seeing a lot of volume on the mortgage side in the business or has coronavirus slowed things down to a point where it's kind of dragging that volume down? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a great question. You know, when I think about our Staten Island market in particular, 
we've done a really well, like a nice job this past year, even throughout the entire pandemic of figuring out ways to help our customers in a virtual environment. Um, you know, lending continues to be a huge need for people and it doesn't, it's not only for purchasing, right? It's whether I'm refinancing, I can't afford my mortgage anymore because maybe pandemic has impacted my income. Um, you know, I might need some cash out. You know, I might want to purchase another home, right? There's so many different reasons why we need to help our, our customers with lending. And, you know, this past year, we continue to improve on our mortgage side, um, particularly in, in Staten Island. And, you know, maybe the, the low rates might have helped us a little bit, but it's being there and showing our customers. We did a huge calling effort this entire year because obviously the volume in the branches decreased. And we just touched base with our customers saying, we're here for you. Like, what's going on? How can we help? Um, and a lot of them needed help when it came to mortgages. Um, so being able to set up a, a virtual call with our customers and our mortgage development officers, you know, was a really big deal. And, and being able to go paperless and, and do from beginning to end um, the whole process without them even coming into a branch really made a difference this past year. So uh, at Santander, are you offering commercial mortgages as well as residential? Absolutely. Yeah. So we are there for our, um, we look for the owner occupied for businesses to be able to help them with their commercial needs. Um, and then of course the, the consumer side. So uh, it, it's amazing that you uh, are talking about, you know, during the pandemic, how you felt it was important to stay in contact with the customer and, and you know, hindsight's 2020. But uh, just earlier today, we were on a call talking about, uh, you know, kind of the next phase of this virus, right? And how we've all seen, you know, the, the, the pictures, wear a mask and social distance, um, but so few uh, have centered around kind of the impact, the, the unseen impact, right? And to uh, remind people that we've been through a lot. Right. And it's not just us. It's everyone. You know, I, I feel like uh, we're all profoundly changed from this experience. Uh, and we're talking about a campaign where uh, even including visuals in the office uh, to remind people like, hey, your coworker, your colleague, your client, uh, they've gone through a difficult run as well. Uh, and we need to be mindful that, you know, it feels like the pressure has been building and building and building. We're social by nature, right? This is so foreign to who we are, um, especially in a place like Staten Island, where it's such a close-knit community. Um, so it's interesting, and, and I appreciate that you you guys paid close attention during that time because people really were having a hard go of it, and people were feeling really isolated. Uh, and to know that the bank is there for you uh, must have given your clients a lot of peace of mind. Yeah, I mean, we had calls where, you know, there were grandmothers crying on the phone saying that the only people they had talked to in the last six months were their children. Um, and thank you for calling me because, you know, they didn't want to get off the phone. They, they just wanted that interaction. Um, and it really meant a lot. Um, and and we went back to that personal connection, you know, it's not about that we're, yeah, we're a bank, but we want to be there for our customers. And, you know, some of, you know, our customers come in, used to come in every single day. They used to go to the doctor's office, stop in the bank, get a quick withdrawal. And that was part of their daily routine. And they lost that this last year. So, 
you know, that, that quick phone call to say, James, how you been, you know, how are, how are things going really goes a long way. And, and my team wants to do it. They, they look forward to, to those phone calls with their customers because they really do care. That's amazing. Um, really as is. we continue, you know, talking about this theme, uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, we, we really got heavily involved with, with business coaching. Uh, and I was wondering, Rebecca, you know, you've kind of taken on uh, a bit of a new role as we saw a need for this type of position. Could you speak a little bit about what you're doing for the company now with the coaching? Yeah, sure. So um, like James said, kind of through this, we found out there were some holes um, within the company and we're always trying to improve um, on what we're doing. And we noticed that there was such a need for this business coaching. Um, James started out doing it first and then, you know, it had such a profound impact on him. He invited me to participate. Um, and we kind of did a bunch of exercises and found out like how this could benefit our agents, right? Everybody needs, like you said, Kimberly, that personal connection. Um, and to have a cheerleader, right? Regardless in your corner, um, even if it's just listening, um, it has such a profound effect on people to ha just have an ear. Um, someone who is willing to listen. I mean, even if it's just, you know, this, this deal didn't go my way, or even if it's exciting news, right? I think if everyone has that kind of support system, um, it's really been proven that, you know, it can increase um, morale, it increases um, revenue within a company. And we're really excited to get it started. I'm actually rolling it out uh, next week within the company. So, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a really exciting thing that we have, that we've decided to take on. And I can't wait to see, um, you know, how our agents are going to respond to it. So. Well, it's again, had such a, a massive impact, uh, on me that, you know, we felt as a way to just kind of distinguish ourselves a little bit, um, you know, beyond what we do, we thought it would be important to extend some of those tips to, to our, our people. Um, you know, again, with Staten Island being as, as close knit and as tight of a community as it is, I feel like I've seen, you know, Pamela and Kimberly like everywhere at events, right? You both have played a really big role in the community. I was wondering, Pamela, if you could speak a little bit about some of the philanthropic efforts um, that you personally and the company has undertaken here in Staten Island over the years. I can't help it. I love people and I, and I miss seeing real faces and interactions. And it's so funny because, you know, when you're in the moment, it's like, oh, I'm tired. I don't really want to go to this event. And, and looking back, um, it's really what I miss the most because, because once you're out and about and you're working with people, it, it's really amazing. Um, as companies, we try and make contributions as much as we can. Um, I have so many different friends on the Island that run not-for-profits or, um, you know, are behind wonderful organizations that I try and support. Um, recently, something amazing I did with uh, the Executive Club of Staten Island, another group I'm a part of, um, I was the president last year. What we did was uh, we're partnering with Meals on Wheels and, and we delivered, um, we're taking turns, I should say, but I delivered, I brought my son along uh, Monday, meals to seniors in our community. Um, and it was just such a beautiful day and and having it's not just the you know the act of delivering the meals because you know we don't want to endanger them and them going to the store could still be an issue um but it was that interaction with people that was just so beautiful and and bringing my son along i mean he's just so friendly um so the seniors really took to him and we had some really beautiful conversations so it's hard for me to say no listen you can't contribute um your time and your money 
everywhere, but, but when there's causes that you really feel strongly about, um, you want to help as much as you can. No, no doubt. <clears throat> and I know Kimberly uh, Santander is, is obviously, it's a, a global entity. So um, the involvement comes at different levels. Uh, and I think in different ways. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the PPP program and forbearance opportunities as people were going through these difficult times? Uh, what was Santander able to do for its customers? Yeah, so PPP was definitely new for us and a, a huge learning. Um, and as the rounds went on, we definitely improved with the way we were there for our customers. Um, I am so proud that when we went through this third round, um, the outreach that we had for all of our customers, um, we were automatically sending them the emails. We also um, made sure that we had every single branch employee and back office employee ready to answer questions. Um, we were outreaching our customers and asking them if they needed the loan rather than waiting for our customers to tell us they needed it, which was a really big wow. deal because a lot of our business customers didn't even know they qualified for a second drawer. Um, and a lot of them needed it. So that outreach this time around um, was a huge learning for us and making sure, you know, my team knew the answers. We had so many different ways, um, resource guys, call centers to help give um, everybody the knowledge they needed to help the business customers the way they deserve to be helped. Um, and, you know, it's a, a continuing process. We we gave volunteers to help with the back end from our retail branches. So we might've made our branches short, but we knew we needed that to help the applications go through smoothly. Um, and we all stepped up as a company to really make sure we got this right because we knew how important it was. So this, to be fair, I mean, this wasn't just new to you, right? This was new to everybody. Like nobody yeah. uh, had ever been in a situation like this where um, there was this type of a, a pandemic and this type of a response and where was the money coming from and how was it going to be funded and who did you ask questions to on your level, right? Yeah. For on our side, we just call and yell at the bank because we're stressed and we're worried and we're, you know, fearful and thinking about, you know, what is tomorrow going to bring? Uh, and it must have been really difficult being on the other side of that. Also having those same anxieties, but trying to handle and help people through this while navigating uh, an enormous bureaucracy and trying to figure out where and how the money would be deployed. Uh, I know you guys have done a great job. We've heard it, you know, kind of through our network. Uh, so I just wanted to touch on that and applaud you for it because it, it genuinely was and, and is a, a scary time for, for everyone. Yeah. So, you know, having that peace of mind certainly helped. Um, we, we understood that, you know, this could make or break businesses. Oh, and yeah. You know, if, if we could help our businesses stay open um, and make it through these hard times, everybody's, you know, they chipped in and said, let's do this together and, and let's help as many businesses as we could. Well, I uh, appreciate it. Uh, I want to thank both of you for the role that you've played in the community for being, <clears throat> you know, standing out and standing up and being, uh, you know, such forces in, in the Staten Island community for folks to look up to and to be proud of. Um, Pamela, in closing, what's the best way or the easiest way for people to get in touch with you to learn more about your services? Oh, sure. Um, thank you for saying that, by the way, James. This was really nice and, and really getting to know the three of you um, was, was great. Um, 
So the best way to contact me, you could call me at the office, 718-494-6798. You can email me, Pamela, at statewidefirecorp.com. I usually give out my cell phone. Um, I'm always accessible, always reachable. Um, so if you need anything, whether it's anything with security, fire-related, advice, um, you know, I love helping people. I love talking to people. So contact me anytime. Thanks, Pamela. And Kimberly, what's the best way to reach out on your side? Yeah, so, you know, I am out in the field in the branches every day um, with my team. Um, the email is probably the best way to reach me um, just with the pandemic, not really in the office as much as we used to be in the past. So my email is kaltoff with one F, so K-A-L-T-H-O-F at santander.us. Um, and any of my branch team members can always get in touch with me. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I want to say thank you to the SIEDC again for making these connections and working with us to, to highlight Women History Month. Uh, it's such an important part, us again being city and state certified WBE. Uh, it means as much to us as it does anybody what both of you are yeah. doing for the community. So thanks so much for your time and uh, everyone out there stay safe.